This morning, we're looking at select verses from the Gospel of Matthew, the sixth chapter. Few of those uh, Bill Connor read this morning just in the children's moment. There's actually two additional verses that are not printed in your bulletin, but will be on the screen that I'll be reading. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the street, so that they can be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret. And your father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And whenever you fast, Do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Several years ago, uh, probably the late 1990s or maybe the early 2000s, there was a, a general conference, which is the, you know, the, the meeting of Methodists from around the world where they're making big decisions. And this was a while back. And at this particular uh, general conference, there was a United Methodist politician that was supposed to come and speak to the entire body of delegates. And wouldn't you know it, the politician was running behind. They were just so busy, they were late. And so the people that were running this this general conference sent out one of the guest speakers that was there. He was a scholar, somebody who knew a lot about John Wesley. And so he went out on stage and he began teaching about the history of John Wesley, how he was an Anglican priest who ended up uh, starting the Methodist movement of spreading from town to town the, the idea that people needed to return to Scripture and return to serving and return to being the kind of people that Jesus described. That's kind of how the Methodist ministry started in England. And so as he's speaking and going on and on and on and on about this history, the politician happened to arrive. And, and the politician was off stage, like waiting for this person to finish speaking. And the sound booth was sort of waving their hands and he didn't see it because the lights were so bright. He just kept going and going and talking about John Wesley. People were riveted at this moment. And 
so the people backstage just said to the politician, just, just go on out there. So this politician walked on stage, and as he's speaking and doesn't see the politician, all of a sudden people started clapping, and a few people stood up and were clapping and welcoming this person. The speaker just kept going and thinking, oh my goodness, uh, they love me. And so he kept going and going, and finally the, the applause got so loud that he just stopped and just started thanking them, and he, you know, kissed, and he said, you know, oh, you shouldn't have, and eventually he starts bowing to the general conference, and then all of a sudden he's tapped on the shoulder by the politician, and he, I think he realizes what was going on, and he had to go off stage at that moment. But you know, when we get feedback like that, when we're applauded, when we get notoriety, it sort of puffs up our chest, doesn't it? We feel very important and loved. And, and that feeling is sometimes so immense that we go seeking it, right? We go seeking feedback, positive feedback. We want to be told how great we are. We don't want to be told the ways we mess up and the ways that we are not good enough or smart enough or how people don't like us. We don't want that. We want to know the good stuff. And in fact, Jesus knows this about us. He knows that we sometimes will be tempted easily by seeking the spotlight, by looking to be seen and heard and to be patted on the back for how good we are. And I think that's why we run into this portion of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is telling people that follow him what it looks like to deal with those temptations. Now, I do want to say right here that there's an obvious tension that if you've been a part of this sermon series for a while, you know in chapter 5, there was a lot about the kingdom of God coming to earth and how we were going to have to live differently because the kingdom that Jesus is bringing to earth would be different from the way things normally are. The normal everyday world is not exactly the way that God wants it to be. So Christians are supposed to live differently. We don't act the way that sometimes the world acts. And so there's this uncomfortableness, this tension between the way things will be and the way things are. And Christians are caught between that tension. And if you look at chapter 5, you'll notice that Jesus is very clear. He says that we are supposed to be the salt of the earth. We are supposed to be the light of the world. We should let our good works shine so that people can see God through us. And you may remember, if you were here, we talked about how being the light of the world and the salt of the earth is like living a life that paints such a beautiful picture of who God is that people see God through us. So he says, shine, demonstrate it, right? But now in chapter six, we hear Jesus saying, hey, stop shining when it comes to giving to the poor and praying and fasting. In fact, do it in secret, hide it from others. So which is it? Are we supposed to shine? Or are we supposed to hide it? Notice that Jesus gives us only three areas where there's something about our performance of these things that we're supposed to keep it in secret. He doesn't say it about a lot of other aspects of our discipleship. And in fact, when he does this, he seems to be saying that these are the areas where we are most likely to trip up and stop performing for God to paint a beautiful picture of God, but to do what? 
to put ourselves in the spotlight, to make ourselves the focus so that we get all the accolades. If you look at the very beginning of the scripture passage we're reading from Matthew chapter 6 verse 1, the very first word is beware, beware. Now, you might read this in some scriptures or in some verses, versions of the Bible as take heed or be warned or be careful. So Jesus is saying, be careful. Don't trip up. Make sure you are not going to be harmed or your witness is going to be harmed by getting this wrong. My wife, Julie, uh, is a chaplain. She's a United Methodist pastor and works at Birmingham Southern. And one of her students' favorite things she has on her wall is this cross stitch. And it says this, from the author, Ice Cube. It says, check yourself before you wreck yourself. In a way, I think this is what Jesus is saying. Be careful. Be on guard. Do not make the mistake of doing things for the wrong reasons because you will wreck yourself. You will, in a way, make your witness less powerful and effective because the purpose of this is to shine God through your life, not to shine you through your life. So the very first thing that Jesus shows us or demonstrates us, the first directive he gives us about hiding some aspects of our faith is about giving to the poor. It's called giving alms. And I want you to notice one thing. The very first thing is that Jesus does not say, if you give to the poor, does he? No. It's assumed that everyone who follows Jesus is being generous and giving to the poor through the church or giving through some sort of other charitable organization. It is standard issue following Jesus 101, you're supposed to be generous. And, and this is true for the Jews at the time of Jesus as well. When they went to the synagogue or when they went to the temple, they were supposed to give alms, give money that the synagogues or the religious leaders would then give to the poor. And some people would show up and make a big deal out of how much they were giving. But Jesus says, don't be like them. He says, when you give the poor, to the poor, when you give alms, don't be like the hypocrites. That's what he's calling people that show up and give money and clang the cymbal and blow the trumpet. They didn't actually do those things. At least there's no evidence archaeologically that people did do those things. So Jesus is sort of using a metaphor that they make a big deal out of their giving so that other people will know that they are so pious, that they are so holy. Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites. Now, hypocrites is a word that we're familiar with. It's somebody who doesn't do what they say they should do, right? But do you know that in Greek, the word hypocrite comes from the same word as actor? Actor. So when you're being a hypocrite, you're acting some way that is not the same as your heart is on the inside. In fact, when you are a hypocrite, you are treating the world as a stage where, where you are performing a false self. Masks were used often in theater during the time to portray yourself as something different. So you are putting on a mask, a false self of saying how great and wonderful you are, but you're not really because you're trying to take all the spotlight instead of letting the spotlight be on God. 
and how wonderful God is to us and our generosity is a response to that. We run the risk of putting the spotlight on us, don't we, sometimes when, about, when it comes to giving. We want to have notoriety or accolades. We want to be thanked. How many of us may not give to an organization if we don't get a thank you card in response? How many of us want all the credit for what we give or what we share? Are you the kind of person that waits for the spotlight to be on you? Or are you kind of like George in this clip? So, uh, so you know, that is, of course, a very humorous look. But did you notice two things? One is, he said, if they don't notice, you're throwing money away. That's not generosity, is it? Right? That's about giving for what you get out of it. And the second thing is, did you notice that he blew a trumpet when he was giving? He was holding his money for the tip jar and he was doing this, trying to get the guy's attention and he didn't get it. And what did he do? He tried to fish it out, right? And it looked like he was stealing. He wanted the credit. And Jesus is calling this hypocrisy. He's talking about acting. We're not actually being generous. We're trying to have the spotlight. We want the credit. And he says that this is going to be detrimental to our witness. We're not going to shine brightly. We're not going to paint a beautiful picture of God if we're trying to get all the spotlight on this. And Jesus goes on. He doesn't say just about giving to the poor, does he? He also talks about when we pray, when we fast, when we pray, when we pray out loud, that is, we are tempted sometimes to make it a show. We want to, people to know how eloquent we are and how connected we are to God. And there's this sense that the hypocrites go and they, they speak loudly and they have these long drawn out prayers. And even some, Jesus says, use big words to show how smart they are. But Jesus says, don't be like these people. Go into the inner room of your house. Go to a place where nobody can watch you. Go into a place where it's just you and God and pray. Because if you do this, you're actually having a conversation with God. You're opening your heart to God, which is the point of prayer. It's not about performing. It's about having that open and honest connection with God. When we do this, when we have that personal connection with God, you don't have to be an expert at prayer. It doesn't have to, you don't even have to be intermediate at prayer. You can be a beginner. You can say, God, I don't know what I'm supposed to say, but thank you and I love you. As long as you're doing that in secret, you're starting that good and holy conversation with God and you'll improve the more you do it. But people have this connection of prayer being public and they're afraid that they're not gonna do it correctly and be sort of judged by everyone else. There's also another sin that some pastors do and I, you know, I'm trying to be careful about this. And it's one of my family members' pet peeves. And that is when people try to preach through their prayer. They're trying to tell you something or say something for you to listen to instead of just in a pastoral public prayer, asking God to be a part of our lives as a church and to lead us and direct us. The more you start putting things in there, to the sort of subliminal messages, it's almost like you're not really praying to God and you're talking at people, Right? God is the audience of prayer, not people. When we're praying out loud and trying to impress others, again, we're moving the spotlight on us instead of asking God to be in the middle of us. So when we pray, 
if we're doing it publicly, we do it honestly and we open up for God's direction. We don't try to perform. And when we're praying ourselves, we go somewhere where we're not tempted to perform or to put on a false mask. But we can be honest with God because God already knows what's our heart, what's on our heart and what we care about. We don't have to pretend with God. And the last one is fasting. Now, this is something that not a lot of people today practice. And that's the idea of going without food for a while. Fasting, not eating. This is something Jesus did in the wilderness after his baptism. This is something that the Pharisees would do twice a week. They would go without food. And notice what's happening. They're not just fasting as a religious practice. He says that they're acting, they're hypocrites. They're making themselves look even more tired and hungry. They might be acting hangry. They may be looking more tired because they haven't eaten. They're exaggerating what it is so that they'll be seen fasting. And fasting was not about trying to be the Lord over your stomach. Fasting was about going without food to remind yourself how much you need God. The hunger that you feel when you do not have food for a while is the hunger of your heart that we can't always tap into because we're so busy in our lives. We don't realize how hungry we are for God. And so fasting was a tool that they used to show that connection. The hunger we have here for food is the hunger that we have in our hearts for God. And we don't always know it until we're in a deep, dark place. And then we know how much we hunger for God. So Jesus says, don't do it for show. Do it because that's the way that you can remind yourself of how much you need God. Don't do it to perform, to show how great you are at fasting. Do it because it makes a difference in your heart. Years ago, when I was a youth director, we tried something similar to fasting, but I didn't want the parents to get on to me about not giving them food because teenagers eat all the time, right? So we got to a pool near the beach, and I asked the students to swim as far as they could underwater without breathing. And so some did a little bit, but some were able to get a lap or two in underwater. And do you know what every single child or teenager did when they came up out of the water? <gasps> and I tried to connect the dots. Just as much as you need that air in your lungs to breathe, you need God in your life as well. It's about realizing how much we rely on God. Not about how the spotlight is on us because we're such good fasters. Pray, giving to the poor, fasting. These are areas where we may be tempted to perform, to look as holy as we can. In, in some ways, we might even see this in our modern culture of adding something like serving others, of people that put on t-shirts that say, you know, I'm serving, I'm on missions, and then they take selfies of themselves. Sometimes I've, even, I've literally seen this with teenagers, not with adults, but it could happen. Some of the teenagers on a mission trip that weren't working that hard. Now, there were a lot. There were a ton of te teenagers that were really working hard. But some, before they took their pictures, got some dirt and kind of rubbed it on themselves. And we were re-roofing and they got some tar, you know. And, kind of there. and then they took the selfie. What's the point? Is it about serving or being seen serving? What's the matter 
with us when we try to put the spotlight on ourselves instead of on God. I read a commentary that connected to an author. He was from Scotland years and years and years ago. And his name is A.B. Burson, I believe. And he, he was talking about this passage, about hiding and shining. And he said this, and maybe this is something you need to hear for your own walk with Jesus. And that is when you're tempted to hide, that is when you should shine. But when you're tempted to shine, then you should hide. The more that you're tempted to perform for others, that's when you need to go into that alone, calm, quiet place and work on your own relationship with God. But when you're tempted to hide, that might be a sign that you need to do more to demonstrate that you are a disciple of Jesus. There's one last picture I want to show you, and it comes from Karl Barth. He, he made this painting even more famous than it already was. It was done by a Renaissance painter whose last name was Grunewald. And, and this painting is actually much larger. Uh, I didn't want to show it, but the very center of the painting is Jesus upon the cross. Jesus being crucified. And there are things on the other side as well. But over on the right-hand side is John the Baptist. He's off to the side, but... Even though Jesus and the cross was at the center where it was supposed to be, Karl Barth kept looking at John the Baptist and started using his image in this painting as a metaphor for him. He was a theologian who wrote volumes and volumes and volumes of work. And he kept looking at that, uh, that picture and thinking, I need to do what I'm doing, writing theology, not so that my name will be famous, but so that I'm pointing to Jesus like John the Baptist. You see how John the Baptist in this painting is holding the Bible and pointing to Jesus on the cross. That's all his job is. So when we're painting that beautiful picture, when we're being the salt of the earth, we're being the light of the world, when we're fasting and praying and everything, we don't want to move Jesus and the cross out of the way and put ourselves in the middle. We need to be like John the Baptist in the painting that Karl Barth loved so much, pointing to what truly matters. When we're tempted to shine and take center stage, that's when we need to hide. When we're tempted to hide, that's when we need to remember to point and let the light shine through us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.